This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Merry Christmas or happy holidays. It is uh, my privilege and pleasure to be here today with all of you. We have a very full service today, as I'm sure you guys are noticing. Uh, This is a moment where we can take advantage and get closer together in a physical way. So just squeeze in tight. Um, before, before we start off, you know, I, I want to I thank um, the prayer team. Um, of course, as you just saw that very powerful prayer. Amen, Amen to that. But it's, it's not just that. Plantation is a praying church. And we, uh, every, every single day, every single day at 6.30, we have a prayer line that you can join every single day. And there are people that tune in every single day and they will pray for anything that you guys need prayer for. So not only do I want to thank them for that wonderful work, I, uh, I want to encourage you guys to take advantage of that and, uh, and be a part of that. Um, before, we, before we hop into it, uh, I'll have one small word of prayer and then we'll, we'll hop in. Lord. I, uh, I ask you now that you take out of me anything that is human, any, any of my flaws or my sins, Lord, and that you separate this work from me, and that you fill it with the Holy Spirit, that you open the hearts and the minds of everybody that is sitting here today so that they can walk away blessed and, and with a purpose, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, it's Christmas as I'm sure you guys know. And uh, the thing about Christmas is that you, you spend most of Christmas thinking about your gifts, right? Um, your gifts are the gifts you're going to give other people or, you know, the family dinner that you're hosting or uh, millions and millions of the, of the things that we are busy about. And um, I hope that you guys are not in the situation where you're still trying to buy presents today, because if not, you are late. <laughs> but if you, uh, but um, I was thinking this week about presents and gifts, and I thought, you know, the best gifts are the ones that keep on giving, right? Those are the best ones. And I don't think there's anything wrong with gifts. There's nothing wrong with presents on Christmas or nothing, none of that. Um, but the best, the best presents are the ones that you can use over and over and over and over again, right? A one-time thing is like, whatever, you know, thanks, but you know, we'll move on. A gift that you can always think about is much better. So you should put that in your pocket for next year. And so I was thinking about that, and I thought about the birth of Jesus. And if you guys were here last week, then... You probably saw that wonderful program that our youth put on 
No, we had the Christmas cantata. It was fantastic, absolutely mind-blowing. And it was about the birth of Jesus. And we talked a little bit about the birth of Jesus, and we read a little bit about the birth of Jesus found in Luke chapter 2, and we'll read it again today. And today I wanted to expand a little bit on the birth of Jesus and how it wasn't just a momentary gift. The birth of Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. That is what it is. The, the birth of Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. And it, has, it had extraordinary implications for the people back then. It has incredible implications for us now. And it has great implications even in the future. That's how big of a deal the birth of Jesus was. And so we're going to start by reading Luke chapter 2 so that you guys can sort of just understand the story of like what's going on. This is when Jesus was born. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So this was like a, a census. Caesar decided to take, to take a census of his people. Who was where? And this was the first registration when Canarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. So for this registration, everybody had to go back to where their origins were, basically. So if you were born in Georgia and you moved down to Florida, then for this registration, you got to go back to Georgia, right? So that, that's what was happening. And Joseph, the father of Jesus, also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. And he went with Mary to be registered, and while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to Jesus, to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And that's how Jesus was born in the Bible. That's it. There's, that, that's how he was born. And later on, we learn about the wise men, we learn about the angels, we learn about the shepherds. But this was the birth of Jesus. And you might be asking yourself, well, how, how is it that this thing, this small birth, could be a gift that has this many implications for our lives? And the first reason why this is important is because the birth of Jesus confirms the truth in the Old Testament. That's the first one. There are many people who believe that the Old Testament is, ir is irrelevant. That it doesn't matter, that, you know, now we're in the New Testament, it doesn't matter. But have you ever thought about this? Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. Jesus' birth was so important because of the Old Testament. And the reason why it's important for us is because if Jesus was able to fulfill the prophecies from way back when, then he is able to fulfill the prophecies now. That's why it's so important. Because it is the proof that Jesus gave us to have faith in his second coming. Why would it matter if Jesus said, I'm coming back to get you, if we had no proof? He was like, okay, whatever, good luck. But because we know that he said he was going to come and he came, we can believe 
that he's going to come again. And the Bible proves that. We're going to go over some of the verses that, about that prophecy. When Jesus was here on earth, conservatively, he fulfilled about 300 prophecies when Jesus was here on earth. That's being conservative. If you go to some people, they'll say 500. They, 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled while he was here on earth. Some of them were in his control. Others were not, specifically the ones that had to do with his birth. You, know, you can't control how you're born. And so the first one that we're going to cover is Isaiah chapter 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God among us. This was written by Isaiah hundreds of years before Mary was even born. This was written by Isaiah. Is this not proof that the Bible knew that something was up? It was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. We're not going to read it for the sake of time. But that Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, they specifically cite Isaiah. They say he was born according to this prophecy. They cite that. The next one is found in Micah. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel. Where was Jesus born, guys? Bethlehem. We just read the story. This isn't something he can control. He couldn't control that. Yet there he is. Boom. The Bible's telling you. These are the prophecies that Jesus was talking about with the Pharisees when he said, if you knew the scriptures, you would know that I am the one. These are the things. Look, These are the things that they had missed. But that now we have the privilege of seeing the next one is found in Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. For those of you that might not know the story, Jesus had to go where? To Egypt. Right after he was born. You can find the story in Matthew, chapter 2. And I encourage you to look it up. We're not reading them for the sake of time. And I encourage you to look it up. Matthew chapter 2. You find the story of little Jesus having to flee to Egypt to run away from the people who were trying to kill him. And these are just a few of the examples, of the many examples of the Bible predicting the life of Jesus. Did you know that the Bible predicts the life and the death of Jesus? Did you know that? Have you ever been reading the Bible and you wondered why do they call David a prophet? David was a guy who wrote songs, and he was a warrior. Why do they call him a prophet? Because he prophesied. And if we read Psalms, chapter 22, verses 16 through 18, it says, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have done what? They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count. All my bones, they stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. If any of you know the story of Jesus' crucifixion, you know that they, div they, they cast lots for his clothes. 
that they pierced his hands and feet. At the time that this was written, there was no such thing as crucifixion. Nobody was getting crucified. Nobody was getting their hands and feet pierced. Where did David come up with this? It's prophecy. It's Bible prophecy. When we say that God is coming back to save us, we're not just saying feel-good things. We're not just saying freely little words made to make us feel better. We are quoting Bible prophecy. These are ancient truths written down. And because they have been fulfilled previously, we can have faith that they will be fulfilled in the future. It's kind of like a resume. For those of you that are trying to get a job, you probably know that your resume matters a lot. And you also know that your references, they matter quite a lot. Even if you're trying to get into school, they matter. And nowadays, when you try to get a job, you don't just put your resume in once, you put it twice, and then a third time. That's how important resumes are. You can think of biblical prophecy as God's resume. This is God telling you, look at everything that I have done in the past. You know that I don't fail, so you know that I will not fail. We can have faith that when Jesus says you are forgiven, no matter what your sins are, that he means it. Because God doesn't lie. We can have faith that when God says, I'm coming back to save you, that he means it. Because God does not lie. And when God deems something so, it happens. Because our God has an immaculate resume. We can have faith in that. The second reason why Jesus' birth is so important is because Jesus' ministry here on earth teaches us how to live correctly here on earth. So not only does it confirm the past, it also helps us in our present. What would be the use? Actually, this is, I think this is like a quote somewhere that I heard at some point. I don't know who said it. It was basically, what's the point of a religion that does nothing? What's the point? What's the point of a belief system that does nothing? What is the point of calling yourself a Christian when there's nothing different about us? What are we doing? But Jesus came down to amend that. And with Jesus' life, he taught us how to live as a Christian. He taught us what we needed to do to live according to his law. You see, at the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had misinterpreted the law, to say the least. They were people who... The, the Pharisees were too strict. The Pharisees were too strict. And the Sadducees were the exact opposite. They were too loose. They didn't care about anything. The Pharisees, I think the Sadducees, they, they didn't even believe in like the resurrection or anything like that. It was like that. So you had two sides of the same coin. Two people who viewed the law in completely different ways, but they were both missing something very important. Something that the law was made to do. And it was love. They were missing love for man, and they were missing love for who? For God. And we see this. There are many Christians nowadays, and they, they walk and they claim. Jesus came and he abolished the law. There's no point in the law. The law doesn't matter anymore. But did you know that Jesus himself denied that? 
If we read Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Do not think, this is Jesus' words, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to do what? Fulfill them. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill them. And he did that with his birth, did he not? We just talked about that. He fulfilled some of the prophets. But now, in his way of living, he taught us how to fulfill the law. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. That's pretty serious implications for us today. So does that mean that Does that mean that we have to live like the same way that the Pharisees do, that the Sadducees do? Is that what Jesus brought us to, came here to do? No. Jesus had something else in mind because there was something really important. We talked about it, love. Something really important that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had forgotten. And Jesus himself says it. This is the end of of that. He says in Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34, He says something really important. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, because Jesus was always in conflict with these two groups, they gathered together. And they tried to come up with a plan to trick Jesus. And one of them, a lawyer, it's always a lawyer. (laughs) Don't trust the lawyers. (laughs) There's a couple lawyers here in the church. And they're like... Really important. <laughs> so, uh, I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> but one of them, one of the Pharisees was a lawyer, and he said, I know what to do. And he asked him a question. He asked Jesus a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? Now, this was a trap. Because as we know, there are ten commandments, right? This is what he's talking about. Ten commandments. And if Jesus says uh, the fifth one, they can stone him because he's a heretic. That, that was the plan. But Jesus said, did something very intelligent. Jesus summarized the law in a way that they would, they would like it. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first one. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And everyone's heard this. It's been repeated to you many times. I'm sure that when you've been angry, somebody's come and said, oh, you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Everyone's heard that. But these are the two greatest commandments. And what do they both have in common? Love. Because without love, our religion is dead. Without love, our religion is dead. It's nothing that. It's nothing but that. It's just a religion. We hurt people the same way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. Have any of you seen Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones? That's what the the Pharisees were like. If you look back into their history, they were killing each other all the time. It was horrible to be a Pharisee and a Sadducee. They were always plotting against each other, doing all these horrible things. That's how it was. That's what happens when you miss out on the love that God wanted for us. And Jesus came down 
to exemplify it for us so that we can learn to live like Jesus. That's the gift that we have nowadays. If you live your life according to the principles found in the Bible, you will live a really good life. You will live a really good life. I have, I have uh, many friends that are, are not churched. And, you know, the, the argument always comes up like every once in a while. Like, why do you believe in God? Blah, 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 you know, and, and you get into that whole thing. And the one thing that nobody can argue with me against, nobody, is when I say, look, if it's real, I live the good life and I go to heaven. If it's not, I still live the good life. That's the one thing you can't argue with. Because when we live according to our biblical principles, we will have a good life. That's what it's set out to do. The Bible itself says that the word of God is like gold. It says it in Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is what? It's perfect. Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm pretty simple. <laughs> I'm a really simple guy. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like a hammer in a, in a drawer full of knives, you know? And, uh, you know, the blunt side, not the sharp side. <laughs> and that's what the Bible's for. It makes wise the simple. It even goes on to say, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. How would you guys react if right now I said Merry Christmas and you opened a box and there was like gold jewelry in there? I'm talking pure, pure gold jewelry. How would you react? You'd probably give me a hug. You'd say, man, this is the best pastor ever. I'm coming every Christmas. <laughs> but God already gave us something more valuable than gold. God gave us something that we can live by that will change our life in a dramatic way. He did that, and it all started with his birth. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. The word of God, or the life of Jesus, is a gift in and of itself. So not only did he do what? Not only did he fulfill the prophecies, now what else did he do? He helps us with our day-to-day. -day. It's a practical religion. He helps us with our day-to-day. -day. So finally, what's the last thing? What is it that the, the birth of Jesus Christ did for us? It gives us hope for the afterlife. There's nothing in this world that can shake a Christian. There's just not. I remember... When I was seven years old, when I was seven years old, my parents were going to move up to Carolina, to North Carolina. And on the way there, we had a car accident. And in that car accident, my grandmother passed. And I was sitting next to my grandmother. The roof came down, cracked my head open. I still have the scar here. Some people would say that explains a lot. <laughs> but uh, I... Uh, I remember when it happened, I woke up in the hospital bed and, uh, and I saw my mom, is this my mom? Yeah, my dad was, was laying next to me. My mom came in and I said, where's grandma? And, uh, and she said, you're not gonna see her for a while. She's resting. 
And sometimes I tell that story and people become sad, understandably. But to my friends who don't believe in God, that's it. And they break down. They can't handle it. But I can handle it because I know that there is a God in heaven who said that he's coming back. There is a God who resurrected, who already overcame the grave. And he's going to do that for my grandma. He's going to do that for my grandma. He's going to do it for me if the time comes. He's going to do it for everyone else. As Christians, we don't have to fear death. It is natural. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to grieve. I mean, we're not aliens. But it's not the end. There is a hope, and that is confirmed. That is confirmed because Jesus fulfilled the prophecies he was going to do before, and he's going to do it again. And we have a God that can do that. We have a God that tells us that if you accept him, you can be free from that too. We find this in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been what? Saved. By grace you have been saved. And this salvation is not just for the afterlife. It's here. You can be saved now. You can live like a saved person now. And when the time comes, you will be saved from death because Jesus Christ died for you. He took that punishment for you, for nobody else. He did it for you. And when he died on that cross, he had you and me on his mind. We have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's nothing that we did. It is what? It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus Christ died to save you and me. And with his birth, he proved that he can keep his word. And with his life, he proved that we can live a better life. Jesus Christ is the proof of everything that we can doubt. That's the beauty. That is why it's the gift that keeps on giving. Because every day you can look towards Jesus Christ and you can be more like him. That's the beauty. And finally, we have this scene in Revelation. It's found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And I think it paints the picture beautifully of everything that we've talked about today. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had done what? They passed away. I met a pastor one time. Anytime something went wrong, you know what he would say? He'd say, it's all going to burn. <laughs> He'd say, oh, it's all going to burn anyway. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And without Jesus, that would be the end. That's the end for some people. But for us, it's the beginning. Because right after, it says, And then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God is inviting us to be his people. 
and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every what? Every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things had passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. How do we know that they're trustworthy and true? Because Jesus came to earth. He proved that. They are trustworthy and they are true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha. I am the omega. The beginning and I am the end. He is the same God since the beginning, guys. He's never changed. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. In other words, a gift. The birth of Jesus Christ is a gift that keeps on giving because it gives us confidence to be the Christians that we need to be. It gives us the example that we need to follow to live a good life. And should the worst happen, we have peace that there is a God who overcame the grave. With that, I'd like to call up the the singers. I think we can have one final word of prayer. Lord, We thank you so much for all the the wonderful things that you have given us. And there are so many gifts that you give us, but the one that we want to thank you for specifically today is the birth of Jesus Christ. In this season where things can get a little confusing, I just ask that you give us the clarity to meditate on what was important. Help us to live a life according to your son according to the example that was set before us, God. Don't let our faith waver. There are really dark times, God. But we know that you can help us through them. We know that you have a great plan set out for us. We know that you're faithful to your word. So I ask now, Lord, as we get out of here, that we all walk away blessed, that we walk away with a a renewed sense of, of purpose and passion. And as we go into the new year, that this could be a year that we change, that we change fundamentally to become people more centered on you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seven-Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.